You are now listening to the Ancient Health Podcast. If you are one of the many people dealing with gut and immune system challenges, it's important you consider the whole picture of your health. In this interview, Dr. Japen Moore challenges the idea that gut infections and parasites are a singular problem. You will learn how the increase in chemical toxicity is actually driving parasitic infections in your body and how hidden mold in your own home could be the single most damaging threat to your health. Join myself, Dr. Chris Motley, and Dr. Javid Moore as we break down the steps you need to take to evaluate the impact of environmental exposures on your body. Let's get into today's episode. Before we start, many people just want to know a brief bio about yourself, about who you are, why you're passionate about what you do. And man, um, I'm just, I mean, as the old dog in this group, I'm just so thankful, just proud of what you do, man. And so newly married, I'm letting everybody just, you know, because we're just going to revel in that. But give us a good bio about yourself, brother. Yeah, I mean, how I got into this space was in college, in, in regular college, like undergrad, right? I was a collegiate athlete, all-American shot putter. I got real big for uh, that sport. I got to 250 pounds. And then I cut weight off after I graduated and got down to really fit. I was eating healthy. I was sleeping. I was doing all the right things right when I was, went into chiropractic school. And the bottom of just fell out. I just started getting sicker. My my brain started to get more fatigued, brain fog, joint pain. But then erectile dysfunction hit. And you know, about by that time, I started searching for doctors, started asking questions, started trying to figure out what to do. I went through mainstream medical care and ideas and tests. I went through functional medicine care, and I wasn't getting a lot of answers. There was medications that were given as options. There were supplements given as options, but there were no root cause answers of what the heck this could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to a conference, somebody said, well, could it be Lyme disease? And I, I was just like, sure, it hasn't been tested yet. You know, how do I test for that? <laughs> and, they, and they honestly, they're just like, I, I don't know. And they're like, you know, but that's something we hear about that causes, causes weird symptoms. And I'm just going, great. Okay. So I'm going to dive into this one. Ended up in Wisconsin with a Lyme specialist, Dr. Alan Lindsley, mm-hmm. who helped me get on track. He's like, yeah, that you do have that. You have some parasites that are along with it. Um, we're going to go ahead and take care of this. So he gave me a plan. Within a few weeks, I started seeing significant changes. Within a few months, I felt like I was back to the 25-year-old healthy-looking male that, that I was. Because that's what I, I want to key on is, is I went from unhealthy-looking because I was overweight to very healthy looking, but internally health was bad for me. Like mm-hmm. I felt awful. So you don't always look on the outside like you technically health-wise on the inside are. And that's so important for people to hear and understand. And, and that's the, the journey I went through. Well, fast forward, I went into practice and Lindsley, because this was before virtual practice, started sending me all these Lyme patients that were in my Midwestern area. <laughs> and so like day one of practice, here come all these Lyme patients. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like, you know, one of the p- things that people think of as, as like the upper echelon of difficulty in, in medical care. And so I got the opportunity to learn how to work with people with Lyme and chronic illness before my practice was completely overrun and, and, you know, like full, like some people where, where they, they slowly build to that level of difficulty. I got to just research and, and learn and listen to clients every single day. And, and that's what really, you know, that gave me my passion. Cause I've heard people's whys, like they're trying to get well so that they can be with their grandkids so that they mm-hmm. can raise their children better so that they can go to the baseball games that they've been missing. 
So that's really why I'm here where I am today is because I found a passion for this group of people. And whether it's Lyme, parasites, mold, I know these people deserve better care than they're getting and deserve to get their lives back. Mm, man, I, I love that. I think that when Courtney, I talk about that, about her journey, when she had parasites and she had been uh, through the, the, the trenches. And I think that when you go through the trenches, then we have talked about this before, you become so much more compassionate and empathetic about people who have the same condition. And isn't it funny how God, the universe divine somehow brings all the people to you. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't know how many people are going to come to me with Lyme infection. Um, I, I remember when Lindsley is such a good friend, I need to get him on the podcast. He's like, he found some obesity on me and from Bartonella. And um, I remember that uh, he said, you don't just have adrenal fatigue, man. It's not just adrenal fatigue. You have a lot more than that. And uh, internally grateful for the research that he's done. So as you know, you got bombarded with all these things and you've got all, all these people coming to you. When you started this, um, this route and you started going on, you know, doing more, just not just in practice, but putting out the information out there, um, this passion shows, brother, and what you do. Um, one of the biggest things that people see um, with doc, like you and Dr. Todd Watts, we see like with Dr. Alan Lindsley, and we see these, the movement towards people wanting to see real answers about parasites. So we, I mean, I regard you as one of the experts in parasites. So um, I want you to just take free reign and Courtney interject, ask these questions too, because she had that too. But many people don't think that parasites exist in this world today. And we talked about that, but can you talk about why people think that they can't get parasites in the U.S. and why they don't exist? And what's your response to that? Yeah, I love this type of question. And I go like, all right, here we go. We're going to go Parasite 101. Parasite 101, you just, I just start off with a million people last year in the United States were diagnosed with GRD, which is a parasite. So it's happening here in the United States. A hundred million people in the world are known to have dealt with strongyloides. That's off World Health Organization. So like we're, we're dealing with this and it's here. If your dogs, cats, cows, you know, whatever it is that you have, if you have to deworm it, they live in the same environment you do. And they are in this drinking water from the land that you're on. They're, they're tromping around eating grass, the land that you're on. And if you touch that land, which we all do, right. And if you, if you're like, well, I don't even go outside your shoes do, and they walk across the ground and then they come into your home. And then if you touch the ground, the shoe, your animals touch it, your kids touch it, parasites are being moved around. I'm not having even talked about food yet. All right. So this is just the environment and that environment is around us and our bodies are designed themselves to be able to repel these parasites when they are healthy. And I'm going to get into what that means as we go. But then you talk about food, you know, they always say, well, if you eat raw meat, you're going to get parasites. That's like the one thing in Western world here that people are like, you know, if you eat sushi, you might get a parasite. Well, if you eat anything that's not well done, you might get a parasite that's meat. And even that isn't a perfect solution, but then people are, well, I'm a vegan. I can't get parasites. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. Where do plants grow? <laughs> the ground. They grow in the ground. And when they grow up out of the ground, they carry with them soil on them. And then obviously parasites will actually go up and down on these and bugs will go up and down on these plants as they're growing. Right. We know that they will leave their little spores, their eggs in the plant. And then you eat the plant. And what's even crazier is we test oftentimes with tests here in the United States for bugs, as I call them, and got in trouble for on my website once because I'm like, they're just bugs, just another bug. No, but for parasites, uh, we test for parasites that are here in the United States. We're not testing for the parasites from around the world. Where'd your food come from? Because in Michigan in the winter, if you're a vegan, your food did not come from Michigan. Mm -hmm. That's right. It, it came, came from, from somewhere else. 
they came from Mexico and India and China and Brazil and all these other places. So you're shipping parasites in that your body's never learned to deal with before. It doesn't have mechanisms to deal with. So long story short is we are in this more globalized world. We are susceptible to all kinds of things we never were before. Parasites are all over the place as far as getting around us. But then the things that are happening to our immune system, which, which I think would be a great place for us to go, but I'll let you guys lead like the chemical toxicities and the heavy metals that feed these parasites. Yeah. You know, those things are increasing too, which make us even more vulnerable. We have the vulnerability and Courtney, please don't think I'm trying to overspeak. Just chime in. I just, uh, we like, I get, I nerded out about this, uh, and metal toxicity, but when we're talking about metal toxicity, brother, and we're talking about glyphosates and pesticides in the presence of heavy metals, like within our environment and culture, um, and it damages our digestive system. Can you touch in about the sources that you see most common with com- chemical toxicities, uh, where it comes from, how it affects our digestion. And it, it sets up this breeding ground, I guess, for the parasites. Yeah. So. I mean, every single day, there are hundreds of thousands of pounds brought in the United States of chemicals every single day, right? There are like a couple hundred pounds of chemical brought in for every person in the United States each year. That's mm-hmm. how much chemicals brought in. So some of these chemicals, maybe they, they aren't feeding parasites, but a lot are, especially like you brought up glyphosate, mm-hmm. insecticides, pesticides, herbicides, they're sprayed all over our food. What are their jobs? Their jobs are to stop organisms from eating that food, to stop bacteria from growing. So what happens? We go and eat some asparagus, right? Like I'm just going to eat a piece of asparagus. I'm going to swallow it. It goes into my digestive tract. It was coated in all of these chemicals to make sure that bugs didn't eat it. The parasites, bacteria didn't grow on it. And now it gets into our digestive tract, which is full of bacteria. So as that chemical hits our microflora, right, our microbiome, it's mm-hmm. killing it. And when our microbiome is, is getting killed, now we're becoming more vulnerable. There are specific bacteria, named bacteria in research that we know repel parasites. So mm-hmm. if we kill that bacteria with these insecticides, glyphosates, antibiotics, then we now become more vulnerable because I did some research for a summit I was on and there were named bacteria like lactobacillus. And I can't remember the, the letters behind it numbers, mm-hmm. but it was like five, six, seven, four, one, like that strain repels strongyloides parasites. Mm-hmm. So when we are damaging our, our microbiome with these chemicals with glyphosates, that's weakening us and allowing parasites in. Another piece to this that shows just how intelligent the body is, is the body itself will use parasites to survive. So parasite, the the term technically is something that comes in and doesn't help us, but damages us, right? So that's what a parasite technically is, but they're synergistic when it comes to the amount of chemicals and metals that are in the world. So our body will bring in parasites to soak up this amount of chemical and metal that we're getting in, but it's doing it for the instance, because And the way that our bodies have developed over, over a thousand years, 2000 years or longer, Mm -hmm. we would get maybe a chemical toxicity once in a while, or a, there weren't a whole lot of chemicals, right? We'd get a heavy metal toxicity. We'd get something that that would come in a radioactive toxicity, but it'd be rare. Mm -hmm. So a parasite would come in, soak it up and our immune system would kick the parasite back out. And then we would just live well, but now it's a constant toxic relationship with our environment. So the body brings in parasites to soak that up, but then we brought more toxin in. So more parasites because they multiply, right? So more parasites, Mm -hmm. then more parasite, more parasite. 
to continue to mop this up. Well, then parasites start pooping because they have waste too, which is an endotoxin, which is another toxicity. One of those toxins, endotoxins for parasites, stops us from pooping. So then these parasites stay inside of us because we're not pooping them out. We're not excreting them anymore. Our immune system is compromised from being around things like mold and chemicals. So now the parasites make us a permanent host. And now you have chronic illness, chronic digestive issues. So yeah, that's that's a couple of the ways that parasites are getting into us today. And, I'm, and there, there's more, but I don't want to just keep rambling. No, no, it's it's not. Uh, I think that maybe Courtney can touch in on this because of her experience too. I think that um, when you're talking about how uh, parasites um, uh, come into the body and like can clean up other infections. And I think that's like a, a terrain theory or not even theory, but like an aspect. I was talking to Dr. Todd Watson, he was talking about, and you even told this to me too, um, you both were mentioning about how certain parasites can eat so many times or hundreds of times their body weight. And it's, a, it's the attempt for your body to live in symbiosis with another infection and I guess a, another organism so that you can actually take load off of your own system. So I think that when you say like, then, you know, you and I are finding like evidence of people on, uh, of parasites on people that are not even native to our country. And people are saying, well, I never went, went to another country and had this. And I'm like, well, from my indications, you may have this present in your body. So, you know, hopefully testing would, would show that and uh, would uh, stabilize that with them. But taking the, the supplements and things that you uh, recommend and that uh, we see in, in herbals actually starts to get alleviate the symptoms. Can you, uh, Courtney, like touch base like yours on your, on your experience with parasites? Remember, because you showed us some pictures before and, and what you went through. Yeah, I, I love this conversation because I think that there are so many layers and a lot of times we get really myopic in how we think about gut infections and we think that it's just one thing. And in my case, and I've shared my story, so I won't go into it at all, This and but just for some extra context, because we're talking about it, like thinking about how parasites thrive, right? They, they're looking for a good host environment to live in. And so if you are a good host because you're full of metals and toxicity and chemicals, then you are just like prime real estate for them to take up residence and they start crowding out all of the good bacteria. So what I hear you saying, Dr. Jabin, and I think it's so important is like, it shouldn't even be that we fear so much about avoiding everything because I see a lot of like women too, they're like washing everything, like stripping stuff down, putting all of their, you know, produce in all these baths and they're adding like, you know, it's like, or avoiding a lot, like they'll avoid a lot of animal products. And I'm like, no, animal products are great for you, but you do need to source them well. And obviously like cook them and, you know, for the most part, but it's less about avoiding the parasites and more about the, the terrain theory. Like you talked about, mm. like, what is the environment you're going to be exposed to them, but you should have enough resiliency in your immune system and your, your gut microbiome that it's, it's not something that is ever going to become an infection. And I would love, like I had um, implants, I've talked about this, but we don't even associate like some of the contributors of some of that toxicity, like even fillings, things like dental work that we've had done that create kind of like this systemic conditioning of more metals in the body or implants of any kind. Like those are, that's where all my gut stuff stemmed from. I mean, I went from fine to just like massive, massive gut infections because of implants, um, which I then explanted, but had massive detox issues because my liver was congested. My immune system was suppressed at all that toxicity in my body. So it was, it was a whole process, but, um, maybe we can even talk about too, like secondary infections, how parasites 
Because a lot of times we see people like, they'll be like, well, I have candida, I have yeast and things. And it's like, they can't ever clear them up, but how parasites can actually drive secondary infections in the body. And it's like, those are the things we keep trying to hammer away at without looking upstream at something that's a little bit more deep rooted. I don't know if that was a question. Or it is a question. Like, that is a question. Uh, okay. So, okay. But everybody's like, you know, like smiling because like, like, we're really like, did it transition? But that's true. It's like, Jabin, when you see, um, when you see a parasite, we see secondary infections, what are some of the main secondary infections you see like a company or um, with parasites? It's like, and I know like there could be a, a lot of them, but what are some, some of the main ones you see? I mean, some of the main secondary infections that will not go away while you have parasites. One is candida yeast. That's a huge one. Honestly, SIBO is another one that I've seen. Clostridia uh, bacteria is another one. Uh, so those are probably some of my most common. Really, I, when I see these things, I'm like, oh, we have a test for candida. Great. Uh, so you probably have a parasite. Or I see somebody come in. I've got bloating. I, I, I tested positive for SIBO. I've done three rounds of antibiotics, the elemental diet. And it just won't go away. Okay, you probably have a parasite. Like this is just where my brain goes immediately with some of these, especially gut-based symptoms, because I can remember when I first went into practice, I was, you know, I had all these Lyme people coming in, but my brain was, wasn't quite all the way there on some of these pieces. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get rid of the bacteria. I'm going to get rid of candida. So I'm going to give you oregano, we're going to get rid of candida. Three days later, it's back. And I'm just like, what the heck? So I was doing something called bright field microscopy back then, where I'd look at your blood under a microscope. And I'm not always the, you know, like the quick to clean person. So I'm working with a client. I, I look at their blood and I, I just walk away and I leave the blood smear under the microscope. And I come back an hour later and I'm like, oh, dang, I need to clean that up. But I have it on a TV screen and there's candida everywhere all over mm -hmm. it. So if you remove mm -hmm. the immune system for just an hour, you can have mm -hmm. candida that is just completely covered all of your blood supply. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. If you have mold or parasites or, any of the million other reasons that are toxic that we run into that could suppress your immune system, you're never going to get rid of candida. So yeah. when clients come in and they're like, I have thrush, I have candida, this test positive for candida. I'm like, okay, look, we can manage that. We cannot solve that until we get rid of your more root cause problem. Mm. That's like, whenever we had like candida, brother, we've talked about um, how much it can overgrow. And I really want to go back into that chemical toxicity segment too, you know, because Courtney's talking about removed breast implants, but I'm going to talk about the minis that you've seen and, and the research you've done. I think when we're going into mold, I think that when you say candida and mold, I think we've talked about the prevalence of mold in our environment and uh, why our bodies are so susceptible. Can you just touch a bit about like, mold toxicities and, you know, relationships to, to parasites and to the overall health? You know, something I've been doing recently, just kind of talking through what, I, what I'm referring to is like my starter kit. So my mm -hmm. starter kit is we've got to make sure your body can heal. And she mentioned dental work, right? So if you got metal in your mouth, it might be hard to heal. If you got root canals, if you got cavitations or little holes in your mouth, it could be hard to heal. If you have breast implants, which are unfortunately, they're toxic. Like the material they're made out of on the outside, they're toxic. They fill your body full of toxins. But the number one thing that I have to talk to people about, because it is absolutely a wrecking ball, is you have to be in a home that has a reasonable or, or no mold, right? Like it's hard to do zero mold when you do a test because mold is outside, it blows in. Okay. So we can't get probably to zero, but it has to be a reasonable amount that your body can tolerate because mold is so immunosuppressive. Mm -hmm. It will, when I look at organic acid tests, when I look at genetic tests, mold is the single most damaging thing to mitochondrial pathways 
which are your energy system, your immune regulation. They mm-hmm. help with methylation detoxification. So mold is the single most damaging thing I find for triggering those tests to be positive. So tests meaning mitochondrial dysfunction tests. And when that happens, you don't defend anything. You don't have energy for anything. You can't think through a process to solve a problem very well because your energy system, when it goes down, every process that you have in your cross your entire body weakens. So mm-hmm. mold is an incredible toxin. And you know, I don't want people to be fearful because you can make your home safe. You can support your mitochondria and get your body back to well or support your mitochondria to where it can deal with more mold. So when people mm-hmm. are stuck in a home that's moldy, there are some, some solutions for those people. You know, obviously the goal is get away from the toxin, but I've given people mitochondrial support and aid between red light and sauna. And some of you, t- you brought up Dr. Todd. So he has a line. It was mito ATP and uh, BC ATP. If you can get things like that into their body, they now can tolerate more toxicity because their body is working better at getting rid of it until they can get out. The mold is, is like I said, it's just a wrecking ball. It is. That's like the amount of um, conditions now that they build houses in. And, you know, like, yeah, I know you've seen like uh, individuals that come to you and Courtney probably has too about people that had like a busted water line or if they were built on areas that has high amounts of mold. And so they literally, I, I was uh, reading some reports and you probably have already seen these before about how like certain mold, mold species are so small that they are allowed, they can get through, like even through the walls, like at certain points they can get through the walls. And, you know, you think that they'll do like a test within a room, like an army test. Uh, and they'll say like, some things are okay, but then they'll do some testing. Like they'll get the air out between the studs and they'll say like, mm-hmm. there's complete amounts of mold in them. And, you know, then it's seeping through the walls or through the cracks into your kid's room and the kid's sick, but the other siblings in the other rooms are not sick. And so people are just at a loss. And how it sets up the whole environment. And I think that um, those are things that people really need to investigate. And I've, I've heard that, you know, that those people that say they have mold remediation and they have people that remove mold, but I've heard it's really important to find people that are like biologically um, literate uh, about mold that come and do that because they're the ones who are going to like find out where, where there's hidden mold. Because I had a patient, man, and I know you've seen this before, she came in and, and she would have all the mold symptoms and all the testing we do, we do, I found mold all over. And I was like, she had like six different mold toxins. And I was like, okay, let's do a, a, an extra organic acid test. She found real positive or certain points in her house. They got it. And there was no, no toxin, but they get to one room in the upstairs and it had it all over it. And then they went in between the walls and it had it all through the walls. So I was just like, it, it's, it's a little silent killer. And I think people are there out there know that um, if you have constant parasite or constant sickness, these are the two that really go for it because I was the same way. I'd, I'd always look for Lyme or something of that sort. And then uh, those kind of co-infections until I really started looking at mold. And once the body started releasing mold, I started seeing people starting like to release all their other toxins. And, and I want to touch this base with you because you have the stomach going on, man. I want to talk about some of the, the facts and figures, like when Courtney's talking about breast implants. Um, I remember you talking about like, um, the, like you say, so many pounds are coming into the U.S. every day. Um, what are some other statistics or what are some other th- thoughts about like uh, chemical doc- t- toxicities that the general population don't know about? Oh man. Uh, so I saw a study about lipstick. There are 32 lipsticks and 50% of them had lead, a poisonous level of lead in them. Like, why does there need to be lead in lipstick? Um, <laughs> so not only is that going into your mouth, right? Um, but we're going to title this episode. Why does there need to be lead in lipstick? <laughs> that was great, Dave. Oh, that was great, man. Go uh, for it. But 
You know, I, there was there was a, a couple quotes in my summit from Docs. I'm trying to remember the exact percentages, but uh, there was a study done with uh, mothers. So they tested the mother to see how much plastic was in the mother, and then they when the when they got pregnant, had the child. And then they they followed these kids for a few years afterward, and then they tested their IQ. And what happened was when they did the study, the group of women with the lowest plastic was compared to the group of women with the highest plastic. And the the highest plastics kids were seven points lower on an IQ scale than the highest on average. Mm. So what this meant was that's the difference between getting A's and C's in school which can determine so much about college and everything else. Right. And just about your ability to, to, to do life more easily. So mm-hmm. plastic can reduce IQ. I can't remember if it was plastics or other byproducts like phthalates, but it reduced even penis size in males mm-hmm. when the mother had higher amounts of it in their body to when the, to having birth of the child and then developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were some statistics, statistics there. It was just incredible. The amount of toxin that can be in somebody's body and then causing the damage long-term and just development of children. So this isn't necessarily just about us. This is about what we do to our bodies that can affect our families generationally going into the future. So we've got to protect our bodies to protect our children. Wow. I completely agree. You got anything to say on that, Courtney? I No, I, th- I think that, that that's great. I, I, think I read something similar too about like testing cord blood in women. And it was like, the, there was like an average of like 230 known like chemicals, like they were already present, like at, mm-hmm. at birth, like that the baby is already, you know, having been developed and exposed to over 200 different chemical compounds. And I'm just like, it's mind blowing, you know? And then we start yeah. throwing everything else at them too. It's just like, it's the EMF. It's, it's, all of the, you know, the airborne stuff, it's mold. And then add in all the chemicals they start ingesting, especially in a lot of formulas and, you know, foods and things like that. It's like their systems are overloaded before they even get a chance to like get their life started. So I have a question really quick, because I would love to know this. And I had a lot of people that asked me this too. Do you think that it is, it's a better strategy to test the patient for mold or test the home for mold? Because I know that within families, you know, you can have a lot of people living under the same roof and have one person that's really sick. And then you have, you know, a spouse or somebody else, a child, and they're totally fine. And so a lot of times people just get, you know, dismissed because it's like, why are you the, if we had mold, like we would all be sick, you know, and it's, but there's genetics, there's, you know, methylation, there's detoxification, all of those things that, that play a factor in kind of a unique individual level of health. So do you recommend, cause I'll go crazy. I'm like, I'll test everything. Cause I think everything's contaminated. <laughs> so <laughs> would you recommend so that like some of our listeners are thinking, gosh, mold might actually be an issue, but should I get tested or should I now have my entire house tested? What would be your recommendation? So, you know, just to add to what might be affecting them, traumas, stress levels, sleep, cause you detox while you sleep, these all can affect a person. So one family member may show worse because of all those factors that you just listed and I did. Um, whereas maybe the testosterone in the dad, which is what I see often makes their symptoms less in many cases, many times with men, we have to lower the anabolic threshold, the testosterone, which happens through mold over time. 
before they reach that chronic illness like the wife. But as far as testing, I do both. And I know that's not what you were asking, but I want comparisons because like Mott said, um, a building biologist who is a inspector that really knows what the heck they're doing, the one I use here in Kansas City, and uh, will do 20 to 40 different samples in your home, along with moisture meters and infrared lights into your walls to check for mold in your home if you have a, let's say, 3,000 square foot house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like 30, 40 samples in that house. Now, if you have a, a tinier home, so you have a thousand square foot home, they might only do 15 or 20 samples. That's a lot of samples. I mean, if you only have five rooms and you did 20 samples, that's what it takes to understand what in what is in your home mold-wise. Mm-hmm. So before I jump to that, because you can imagine that's more expensive, what I end up doing is I'll say run an ERMI per thousand square foot of your home, which they're a couple hundred bucks. If you've got a giant house, you're going to have to run a few. If it's smaller, it's it's less. Compare that with a organic acid test, which tests for a lot more than just mold. If mm-hmm. you have more than two markers in your mitochondria or fatty acid oxidation sections, I'm going to start thinking mold. If you have B6, B2, if you have the methylation uh, test, I can't remember the exact name of it at the moment, but the methylation test positive, which is like number 60, no, 59, Mm and the organic acid on Grey Plains Laboratory, you're going to have a likelihood of mold, right? So that starts to lean me toward mold. Then there are several colonization tests within the Great Plains Laboratory test that could show for mold, which would just tell me straight across that you're positive and then run a mycotoxin test from there. So what I tend to start with is an organic acid test for my client. If I see reason and symptom to believe there's mold, then I'll run an ERMI. If the ERMI and the organic acid test both signify that there should be some mold, then I'm positive. The mycotoxin test, honestly, from there, which is the urine test for mold, If I already have the other two, I'm just like, hey, you probably got mold. Do you want to prove it out to yourself? Yes or no, we can do this. The reason why I don't put as much weight on that is because you have to be capable of detoxing, meaning your body is healthy enough to want to be pushing the mold out to see the mold in a uh, mold mycotoxin urine DNA test. You also have to have been around that mold recently enough that it's going through your body to be seen on that test. So it's about understanding the tests, the person and the situation. So if you're like, Hey, I moved out of my house a month ago, but I think it had mold. Should I run a urine test? I'd say no, because you're probably going to be negative because you're not in the environment anymore. Your body has now sequestered it. The damage is done. Test your home, do your organic acid test. That will give us enough information and be more worthwhile for your finances. Mm, I think it's a great point because I, I know like on Great Plains Laboratory, like on certain sections, when you get... Uh, you know, you get your um, testing for which kind of toxins it can describe to you. And if you have a really good mold literate doc that's working with the individuals out there, um, you know, that are listening today that, you know, it shows if you like you were talking about before, uh, doc, that it, it can, you can be a breeding ground eventually for the mold. And so there's a difference between, like you say, passing it through or actually becoming a breeding ground, like you're completely reproducing mold in your body. And so there's different acid signals that can give you, the people out there, the indication that they can actually be uh, creating this consistently. And I think that's a good point when both of you talked about like, you know, when we're talking about the toxicities that come into the body and a lot of times like running genetic tests, if you, we see that, like, if we talk about NAT genes or CYP genes, those genes that, like you say, get rid of like any type of metal toxicity, the ones that get rid of breast implant toxicities, even mold toxins. And one of the things that uh, many people will talk about, and you, you mentioned this too, and 
allude to like children is that it's alarming to me that there are these genes, if you describe, if they see the description of what they, the symptoms are, if they get too heavily detoxified, basically, it's always aggressive behavior. It's always attention issues, ADD, OCD, those kind of issues, or even behavioral or um, neurological impairment with these genes, if they keep getting consistently chronically infected by the toxins from mold. And when I check people's genetics at times, uh, when they had like double homozygous recessives on these and then you start to see that organic acid test. I'm like, oh, goodness, they, they become a breeding ground. And so uh, that's why the continuous brain fog occurs. And I like when Courtney, we talk about genetics, about how this plays a huge part. It is. It's like the chemical toxins, isn't it, brother? It's like you have these chemical toxins in your environment and the mother had those chemical toxins. You have a moldy house. You have, you know, if you had Diet Cokes, if you had all these things, it's, like, it's setting up the scene. And that kid's genes are getting changed, like not the order, but the behavioral output of them. It's, have you seen, I like to hear the things that you talk about, man, like with uh, seeing people change and about their energy output. What are some, like we talk about the testing, we're talking about some of the things they need to remove. What are some of the main foods that you see or main things that they intake that do, you know, make mold grow, that make parasites grow? What are the, same, the main things? You know, simple answer is eat whole food organic and you're not going to feed a lot of those other things and balance the carbohydrate ratios, right? So it's so easy. I mean, when I met my wife and we were hanging out and I was looking at her diet and she was like, I'm tired all the time. I, I just don't feel like I'm getting my body just doesn't feel like it recovers. And, and I know I'm taking it instead of giving the foods I'm, I'm giving what to do, but I switched her from like this 80% carb and honestly not enough calories to like 30% protein, fat, and then the rest in carb. And then, so that was the switch of the macros. So now her body has the proteins and the fats to recover. Cause let's be honest, you don't need a lot of carbs in your diet. Like your body doesn't need a ton of carbs. Mm -hmm. They're a quick fuel source, but you don't need them. You need those amino acids. You need those fatty acids. You have to have those to survive. And she wasn't getting those. So I switched that increased the amount of calories. And for those listening, you know, she didn't want to get fat. She lost two inches around her waist by eating more food, right? So if you can eat the appropriate macros to some degree, and they don't have to be perfect. There's not like this, this, everybody needs to eat 33, 33, 33. It's just, you just got to have enough for your body and then whole food organic. So that you're not getting more chemicals in, which will feed the parasites. So you're not doing all carbs, which will feed the candida or the mold. And also, by the way, your body has to deal with all those carbs and all that sugar which the liver does that. And when the liver is worried about carbs and sugar, because it's overwhelmed with them, it's not focusing on detoxing the chemicals, the, the acetylaldehyde, which is the yeast poop or the mycotoxins, which are the mold toxins. So when you allow your body to get out of this diet inflammation, then it can focus on the toxic inflammation mm. that's coming from mm. our environment. So there are certain foods though, that can carry mold, uh, certain foods like uh, there are lots of coffees that can carry a lot of mold. It's just a, a type of uh, bean that can carry a lot of mold. Any food like fruit or vegetables, uh, not as many vegetables, but fruit or grains that can be moldy. So let's not mm -hmm. eat moldy food, right? Like if you see mold on the food, what you see go out from that six to inches to a foot and, and there's mold on it. It's just not as much, mm -hmm. right? Because when you can see mold, that's millions of little colonies not just one. So as you go out, it's less dense 
but they're still there. So when mm -hmm. I see mold on my organic raspberries yesterday, I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, darn it. I should have ate those quicker. So eating <laughs> less moldy foods is going to be also a benefit. So we don't get more toxins into our body, especially for those that are sensitive. Again, if you are healthy and your mitochondria are doing well and your gut microbiome is happy and healthy and you have the appropriate bacteria that break down molds, we are not as vulnerable, which so, so I always get the clients in, right? They're like, well, my dad can eat that and he's fine, but my mom can't. I'm like, well, I get it. Your dad, because of the way his body's made up, he can tolerate it. Your mom can't, we can get your mom closer, but you know, genetically they're, they're going to be a little different. Mm, mm, that's good. Thanks. Like, no, um, go ahead. Courtney, go ahead. My kids to just take the one moldy strawberry out of like, and eat the rest. Right. That's like, uh -huh. I'm like I paid $7 for those organic strawberries. Just pull the moldy one out. <laughs> it, but isn't it crazy guys that whenever you do, like you look at a blueberry or, um, or blueberries or strawberries. And sometimes like people will wash them off really quick. And, um, a lot of my patients now, since I've put some stuff on Instagram, they'll like, they'll wash everything, but you'll look down the pit, you know, and you, people will miss it. They'll see little white specks and they don't spend like that's mold. You know, you need to get rid of those kind of things. And, uh, it's, I, I was doing that even more, at, um, adamantly like over the last two years. And I would start to look at all of them. I was like, over half my blueberries, they go bad. I was like, you need to eat those within a day, two days and get that out of the way. But you're right, Courtney. It's like, Oh, the rest of them are good. I remember my friend in, in college, you guys ever had this? Like my friends would have like a loaf of bread and like two of the loaves would be like completely laden with mold. And then they would just be like, oh, the other pieces on the other end are good. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. I don't know, but I don't think that's the way it's supposed to work. I think you should not, you should eat that. Yeah. Mm. Um, but anyway, man, we talked about this. Now, uh, one of the biggest things like we're talking about mold toxicity, get rid of the chemical toxins. What are, um, I know everybody's different. Everybody has my individuality, but what are the things that you recommend, man? Like different types of herbals that you want the audience to sort of look into or just see what could help with parasites or mold or, or some things that like you offer on your website. What are the things that you highly recommend? You know, that first step is, is just make sure you're in a safe place. You know, everybody needs to go home. They need to just walk around the house, look for mold. Mm. Like it, it's, it, they're in a lot of cases, you'll find it. Now, if you want to get, find more deep ways, you know, I've got posts on Instagram that talk about some hidden places, like in the drains of your sinks, uh, mm -hmm. under the lid of your toilet, things like that. Right. So there are definitely places you can find it that are, are more rare, but just walk around your house, make sure it's clean. Stop drinking tap water. Do not drink tap water. It is so toxic. I drink distilled water because a distiller is literally the highest level of clean water. Now, after that, there's all sorts of debate, you know, do we need to remineralize, restructure it? Don't want to go into that today. That's not where we're at. We're talking about that, just the toxicity, right? So start with clean water, get the distilled water. And so we remove chemicals from our water. We remove chemicals because we're eating organic food to the best of our ability. We are trying to stay in a mold-free home. We hopefully don't have toxic hygiene products, hair products, toxic things in our bodies. You know, you said Courtney with, with, with breast implants. Botox is fillers. Like we want to stay away from these things to the best of our ability because they're toxins and they're only going to feed the problem. So if we stay away from all that stuff and then we, we go, okay, now let's start the actual detox process because we've stopped the retox. So we got to go to the detox. Some of my favorite things are, you know, I use some of, like I said, Dr. Watts's supplements like kale support, but when you break down what's in these things, it's milk thistle. 
Mm-hmm. It's N-acetylcysteine. It's glutathione. These are things that help to stimulate the liver to detoxify. Tudka, which is probably my favorite liver gallbladder supplement on the market right now, is incredible for increasing bile production, which leads to more toxins being pulled out of your body, more liver function. Mm-hmm. So making sure the liver can function. Doing things like sauna, dry brushing, rebounding, so that your lymphatic ducts, which are are ducts through your body that have no muscle, no muscle to them, right? So they don't move themselves. You move them when you move. Mm-hmm. So by doing those things that I mentioned, helping to flush the lymph out to the liver that you've already supported, and then making sure you poop every single day, at least once, but my goal would be two to three times and full movements, not these partial little movements where you see little rabbit pellets that some of my clients see. Mm-hmm. Um, so full movements, and you can use things like aloe, magnesium, uh, senna, Trifilla, these are all herbs that you can use to help your body go to the bathroom. And then from there, once you have the drainage pathways open and moving, mm-hmm. that's when we can move into the herbal antimicrobials. And that's really dependent on you. But about 70% of the time, I start with parasites because parasites are large enough organisms. They are organisms that can be multicellular, or they can even be, you know, full worms, which I've seen come out of people. We need to get those out because they actually block you up. And they release toxins that can cause constipation. So they, they're either blocking your ducts in your liver or constipating you to stay in you. So we got to get that out before I ever want to go ruffle the feathers of the chemical toxins, the heavy metals, the molds, because I do not want those things to recirculate, causing you detox reactions, herxes, where then your body feels worse. And those things, not only were damaging the tissue they were on, but then recirculate and damage other tissue because you move mm. them without being able to get them out. So- mm. There is a very strong importance to the order that you go in your healing journey, which is why working with a professional can be so important. But if you're going to do it on your own, just make sure you do a ton of research and and you get the opinions of a lot of people researching their information, understanding why you're going to do what step first, but then even more so because it's never going to be a linear straight line to healing. If something happens like you taste metal in your mouth, what does that mean? That means you got metal moving Mm -hmm. and you need to bind it up now. And then you need to support the drainage out. If you get a moldy smell coming out of your skin or, or you're tasting a bitter taste, that's mold moving. We need to address that. Yes. If you're doing antiparasitics and you get a bunch of gut dysfunction, that doesn't always mean stop because you are ruffling the feathers of parasites. That's what you are doing. You need to know, okay, because this is happening, what can I do to help support my gut? You know, I can take glutamine. I can take butyrate. What is too much? Uh, I'm getting brain fog, fatigue, and migraines. Okay, that's probably because the drainage pathway is backed up. So getting this information in the back of your mind so that when things happen, you can respond appropriately is going to be key for the healing process. I think that when um, the importance, like you said, about opening up the drainage pathways um, for the body to actually have an escape route. Um, I think uh, whenever uh, we've talked before about it's in essence how when you use Tudka and when you use different types of binders, when you use different things to build ATP, the thing I love about um, your approach is that you're always uh, pushing um, that information about how to build the mitochondria, about how the body should build energy and ATP. And if you give the body the nutrients it needs to do many things on its own, then you can kind of weed out the things that are left over. And I think that's how your, your philosophy is like really with my man. I think that like with Chinese medicines, like build energy, build the chi, like first and see what can be left over. And um, I think that as many people you've seen uh, heal and get better in the information you put out there, I think that now we're seeing this movement 
from uh, individuals who, you know, want to take more health power back into their own hands. And uh, the information you're putting out there, they're like, well, I want to do it all on my own. And they can, but I'm like, man, eh, there's some things you probably need somebody who's an expert to give you some guidance on those things. Because, you know, as well as I do, I've had people come in and like, I took black walnut. I, pl- I took Artemisia. I took Andrographis. I took this, this, and like at the same time. And I'm like, are you still alive? Like right now, because I don't see how you're still walking right now. But to have people guide um, you or give you just good, helpful tips is something I've seen you do so well, my friend. And man, I'm just saying like, I'm not the judge of anything, but man, I'm just like, you're just skyrocketing. I'm so proud of you, man. And uh, I know that like this information on this podcast has been so valuable. Uh, any other questions, Cordy, that you want to add in? Because I have, I could ask this guy questions all day. I would love to just talk to him all day. But. Oh, I think you, I think you summarized that well. I love that that there's there is a heavy importance on sequence and how you tackle these things because sometimes it gets overwhelming. It just feels like the more you start to, you know, uncover, the more you feel like, oh, I just have so much more road in front of me. But I think working with somebody when you are dealing with a lot of layers and a lot of factors, it may be a mold exposure, it may be toxicity, hidden toxicity within the tissues. It could be poor drainage pathways. There's genetics that are involved. Like there's, it's so many different things you have to consider. But I think that even exposing people to this and like some of the tests, like an ERMI test, and we'll link all of this in the show notes for you guys. And we talked about a mycotoxin panel and organic acids. Like these are all things like you don't need to become the expert on it, but as you know, just somebody that is trying to be a healer in your own home, like that's really what we're trying to cultivate in in our community is really to ask those questions because you'll know, you'll be able to find the right person and provider for you to come alongside you. And you can ask those questions. Hey, is this something that's necessary? Is this something that you feel like would be appropriate and, and have somebody kind of work you through that process. So, um, Dr. Jabin, can you give our listeners an idea too, if they're like, man, this might be somebody that I feel like, you know, gets what I'm doing or what I'm working through and would love to know a little bit more. I know you have a lot of resources online. You post a ton on Instagram. You are like a wealth of content. So if you're not following him on Instagram, definitely make sure to do that because uh, we reshare your stuff all the time because it's so good. It's so helpful for people. And you really, to me, simplify things that can be really overwhelming or complicated. Um, so maybe just, you know, to wrap it up too, like if there are any final thoughts you have or next steps you feel like might help people if they feel like they're somebody in the trenches that's really battling this stuff and they don't know, you know, what the next step looks like. Yeah. You know, make it simple. It's, it's a very complicated process, but make it simple in your mind for a moment, because if you try to do everything, it becomes overwhelming. And, And that's why within even this podcast, I was saying, Create the safe environment to start, which is such a key that will stop the retoxification of your body. At that point, think about your nervous system, which controls everything. Do work on that because honestly, nervous system work to some degree can be free. You can do breath work. You can do meditation. Honestly, I've talked to mothers who have six kids and a job and a husband and and all these other things that they're managing, which is incredible, but they never give their nervous system a moment to rest. I'm like, will you please go out and just stare at a tree for 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> is this me? Except I don't have six. <laughs> yeah, are you talking direct, directly to Courtney? I think you're like, your eyes are like, going, Courtney, you need it's to go out and look at a tree. Day, everyone. <laughs> so I'm just like, go stare at a tree for 10 minutes every day for me. And then they call me back a week later. They're like, I feel so much better. So there are so many pieces to this puzzle. It can be overwhelming. So it's make sure you live a the cleanest life you can live. And then 
give your nervous system a chance to heal, which it's never going to be perfect as long as your body's full of mold and parasites and Lyme, but you can at least give it 10 minutes a day to, to just go relax, whatever that means to you. And then just pick a target and go toward that target, but know that you don't have to eradicate that target completely. You do not have to get every bacteria or every parasite or every mold mycotoxin out of your body to feel well. Your body is designed to heal, thrive, and adapt. So have hope because you don't have to be perfect. I get so many clients have been to 20 doctors and, and one of the doctors was, we got to get all the mold. And the next one was, we got to get all the parasites. The next one, we got to get all the bacteria. It is the whole picture. And if you just lower the threshold of each one of those a little bit, your health starts to climb. So although this is complicated, it is difficult. It is important to do this to some degree, right? Your body's designed to adapt. You can't help heal. So just start with, and I can't say it enough, just start with clean environment, give your nervous system some, some rest, and then take forward steps from there. And by just doing the first two, you're going to get clarity likely on the next steps you need to take. Because when your nervous system is calm and not in fight or flight, you're not running around with your head chopped off. You're going, okay, here's the information that I've got. Here's the testing that other doctors have done. Here's what resonates with me. I'm going to move that way calmly and you're going to make better decisions. Mm, I couldn't put it better, man. Thrive, heal, and adapt. That's what the body's meant to do. And the other question I really want to ask is why is there lead in lipstick? Sorry. <laughs> Did we address that? I don't know. I didn't know how to say it, you know? That's, that's the name of the next podcast. Oh, man. But really, to- totally uh, thankful, brother, that you've, uh, you've joined us and you've allowed us to talk to you about this and answer these questions. Um, um, we really are appreciative. Uh, this is information that many people are asking and uh, they know people already know your, your Instagram feed, but can you give them your Instagram feed? Can you give them the information where to reach you at? And if they want consultations, if they want to see your website, where can they reach you? You know, all my stuff is Dr. Javen Moore, my website, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of them, Dr. Javen Moore. <laughs> um, and we've got links across all those places where you can set up a discovery call with us and work with my clinic. Um, you know, I'm still taking patients. I just love this work. I love studying, learning every single day. And, you know, it's just a, a, a fun job to have to watch people go from, let's just say bedridden or a wheelchair to back to playing baseball with their family. And I've gotten videos literally where it's, it's spliced and they have before and after. And it's like, it brings you to tears. This is why I love this so much every day. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. You're incredible work that it's, it's really inspiring and and it is rewarding, you know, just to even see other people and really to just bring them. I think that's what we love to do on this podcast is really just to connect people. Cause it's like, sometimes it's just, it's like one person or one source or one connection away from them being able to really experience transformation in their life. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And this stuff is hard. It's hard to find. I mean, you've got to dig for it. And, you know, that's, that's, what's hard. We've just created a culture where, you know, what what is tangible and available to us for health is not it's not healing our bodies you know and and so you've got to really do some legwork but i i know that this has been incredibly valuable for all of our listeners and we're just so grateful to have you be a part and share and share your time and your expertise and um i know that this is going to just continue to further the work you've already started well thank you so much for having me on here and let me spread the word and i'm just excited to to be able to touch just one more person's life and, and help them to get over their, their struggles. Well, you're doing it, brother. You're doing it. And uh, just thanks again from us, man. We just hope that you have a good day out there. And uh, from out Kansas city, I'll stop in and just say hello, but keep in touch, man. Absolutely. Thanks so thanks. much. All right.
Thanks, everybody.